Kia ora, I'm Damien Venuto. It's July 4th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. A recent episode of the ever-popular Country Calendar has divided audiences in the rural community. The unconventional methods of business people Jeff and Justine Ross were not appreciated by some farmers who lashed out calling it woke and PCBS. But as more urbanites immigrate to the regions, does this case highlight the growing tensions between rural and urban New Zealand? Today, I'm joined by NZX Head of Insight and Rural Analyst Julia Jones to look at how a TV show sparked such a strong emotional response. Julia, to set the scene, Country Calendar has been around for 50 years and it continues to rate as one of the most watched shows on television. How has it remained so popular for so long? I think we naturally have a bit of a passion for growing food and fibres in our country. There's people who have come from farms many years ago who want to reconnect. There's farmers looking for different types of farming or looking at different parts of the sector. I just think it's a good Kiwi wholesome show that we get a lot of enjoyment out of watching. Farming has a real important role to play in slowing climate change. Our whole family really believes that the fight for the climate is now, it's real. In this context, what was it about the episode featuring Jeff and Justine Ross that ruffled so many feathers among the loyal audience? Look, I, I, I really struggled to put, you know, really pin this one down. This might sound somewhat unfair, and I don't mean it as rude, but it, fe- it felt a little bit like ignorance. That was actually the biggest pushback, you know, that people just not taking the time to understand. Uh, maybe jealousy. Like, there seemed to be this whole thing, like, how dare these people come into our sector, which I don't think there's such a thing as our sector. I think we should invite everyone and be open. I do understand for some farmers it was, we don't farm like that. So we're a little bit worried that all of New Zealand might think that's how everyone farms and everyone should farm. So I kind of got that perspective, but I, I honestly think it was tall poppy syndrome. It was... These people are doing something different, they're innovative, and they're successful. And you know what? If you're successful in New Zealand, you're a dick. And if you fail in New Zealand, you're a dick. And really sad to see the outrage over something that was just so inspiring. It seems that with these types of stories, though, where you have city slickers leaving the big smoke behind and heading into the country, they are becoming a little bit more common. So how much of a migration are we seeing? How common is this movement becoming? Well, just one thing that, you know, these guys actually come from farming backgrounds. I believe Jeff Ross had studied at Lincoln, so he'd done an ag degree years ago. I don't think it's as common as it should be. You know, their sector would be enriched having people coming in and trying new things. We complain constantly that we're not getting enough people into the sector. And then when we have new people come into the sector, we complain that they're not following a consensus. So I think I would love to see it be more common. It's probably not as common as it should be. And this can be a big part of really enriching the future of the sector. Do you think that some of the backlash we've seen over the story is a sign of the real world tension being felt on the ground in rural areas? Or do you think it's just a few keyboard warriors mouthing off? Oh, probably a bit of a mix of both. So I think, you know, the world's transitioning and I don't know what it's transitioning to, but things are moving really fast. They're moving a lot faster than they've ever moved. And I think by nature, we're all feeling a little bit tense and we're all feeling a little bit stressed and there's probably a real sense of fatigue. And so anything like this will trigger someone. I'm sure if it was another sector, 
if it was engineering or anything else, I think it's a New Zealand condition as opposed to being a directly rural condition. But I guess it is that sense of judgment. I don't understand how you get from someone doing something successful means that others are judging you badly. But I guess that's where our mindsets are at. And we need to think about how do we change that. What we're demonstrating and what we're happy to share is we're trialling things that reduce cost and increase premiums. And isn't that what we as farmers should all be trying to achieve? After the backlash went viral, the Ross couple came out and defended their position by calling themselves disruptors in the industry who simply like to try new things. How welcome do you think that attitude is? And does it maybe come across as a little bit condescending that you have a group of people coming in and claiming that they have the knowledge to change things? Oh, I love this question because, I mean, I'm a bit of a disruptor, but not deliberately. You know, when we say we're disruptors, it's not like you get up in the morning and you're like, who can I disrupt today? It's not like that. It's a very organic osmosis. It's sort of very much like what's changing in the world? How can we help? I don't think it was condescending at all. Like, I didn't find anything they talked about to be remotely offensive. They really focused on what they wanted to do and the legacy what they wanted to create. I don't necessarily think that it is welcomed in rural communities by all. But we've got to remember rural communities are made up of, you know, a couple of hundred thousand people, if not more. Everyone's different. We're going to have unique people with unique thoughts. And the reality of it is there is a portion that don't embrace disruption who want to keep it the same. But let's not forget about the amazing other group of people who are natural disruptors, who disrupt their own businesses, who are working really hard to make sure there's future relevance. I think the anti-disruptors get too much attention and those people doing really cool stuff moving forward don't. So should we be outraged at Jeff Ross? Oh, no, not at all. Uh, they're innovators, they're disruptors, marching to a different tune, doing things a wee bit differently. I don't agree with uh, everything that's happening on that farm. I thought the Woolshed theme was a wee bit woke, to be perfectly honest. On the topic of their more unconventional disruption methods, one was that they were playing Vivaldi to their sheep rather than ACDC. Is there any science behind this that you're aware of that this approach is beneficial? Yeah, look, there was actually a study done in 2001, which is, is a really old study. They actually did look at dairy cows and the softer music apparently created more production from the cows. It was very minimal, it was 3%. But at the end of the day, you know, this is the other thing that I laughed about. The actual sharing company thought it was great. They didn't have an issue with it. They weren't out of pocket. They thought the whole thing was great. You know, whose business is it? What they're playing for their sheep in the shed? Like, who's actually getting hurt by that? Why are we upset about what music someone puts in their shearing shed? (laughs) One of the things that Jeff Ross did tell the Herald was that the farming community faces two key challenges. Firstly, the need to build premiums for our growers and then responding to the need to decarbonise. In your studies, have you noticed similar trends? Do you agree with this point of view there? I'll cover it in, a, in two ways. So the first point is we absolutely need to work out how we get more dollars back to the grower. So that is about premium. That's going to be about shortening supply chains. That's going to be about making sure that we're getting value back to the farms, you know, to make sure that they can continue to develop and grow and invest in their properties for the future. Absolutely. There is a huge growing focus on decarbonation and, and products connected to this in some markets. So I'm certainly not disagreeing with Jeff because you know what, he has got way more experience and skill and knowledge in this space than I. But 
there's lots of markets that New Zealand's in. Not every market will have this focus at this stage. The markets that he is in and the customers that he is growing for absolutely have a massive focus on this and huge credit to what he's doing. Julia, when you look at Three Waters, the emissions reduction scheme and the groundswell movement, there is a perception that the farming community and the rural community is somewhat resistant to change. You speak to farmers on a regular basis. Do you feel like that's a fair assessment or do you think that that's pigeonholing? I think it's kind of averaging out some loud voices. A lot of these things that are coming up come from places of fear. So I think if you looked at any sector and anywhere where change is being driven at pace, it is overwhelming and it's scary. I think that if we broke it down, there's probably a good portion of the sector that are trying to embrace change. I think the issue we've got is where do we start and what do we do? And that's where the, I guess, the fear and the overwhelm and that kind of sense of pushback comes from. But it's natural. We all respond to change differently. I love change. So if someone tells me something's changing, I go off on a tangent and get all excited about it. You know, other people resist it and then come around later. So I think we just have to realise that some of the change coming at farmers has been overwhelming and a little bit too much pace. Do you encounter farmers that are more open-minded to this push to decarbonise the industry than what they're often given credit for? Oh, absolutely. It's the everyday. When you think of a farm, like this is a thing in New Zealand, is we have huge areas of land. We have lots of trees on many of our farms. I mean, look, I've only got, I've got just under 10 acres and, you know, I've planted a couple of hundred trees in. I mean, to be fair, some of them haven't quite made it. That's my bad planting, not the tree's fault. These are people that are constantly thinking about how to better the environment. Now, yes, there are some bad ones. You're going to have some people that aren't doing the right things, but that's the same in every sector. And let's not punish a whole sector or tarnish a whole sector based off one or two bad ones. A lot of the frustration from farmers is there's lots of modelling. So we put something in a spreadsheet, but we don't actually think about the practical application and how we can make it better. And you know what? If you're a farmer and every day you care and you think about your environment, it is a little bit frustrating when somebody who just turns the tap off while they brush their teeth has a go at you about not doing enough for the environment, yet they think they're saving the planet. I think that's probably where a lot of the tension comes in is the lack of understanding between the farmer and the non-farmer as to what they're actually doing for the environment. Jeff Ross and Jussie Troy spent decades as successful urban entrepreneurs before buying Lake Hawea Station in 2019. The farm covers more than 6,000 hectares and runs 10,000 merino sheep. It was one night just sitting at a laptop for what felt like the thousandth time in the office that we realised that it was time to move. When you consider the topic of measurement and you look at what Jeff Ross has actually achieved on his farm, it's 6,500 hectares of land and it's a carbon zero operation. How difficult would it be to achieve that? Well, you'd have to first start with your baseline. So I don't know the intimate details of the property at all. And look, I just want to disclaim too, I actually don't know the Rosses because I know as Kiwis, people will be like, oh, they're probably friends or something. I'm actually not fortunate enough to be cool enough to be their friend. But um, they are amazing people I have a great deal of respect for. So look, with a big property like that, what you'd want is a baseline. So you'd need to go in and measure where we are today. It is, I'm not going to say easier, that's a bad word, but when you have a lot of land, you're going to have less animals per hectare and you're going to probably have more land that you don't actually run animals across. So there'll be retired land that is probably no good for animals. They won't graze well on it. They won't be able to basically contour, you know, the contours will be too steep. There'll be nothing but nature happening on. So I think they're probably in a good starting position, but it's going to take work and effort and focus and measure and 
thinking of the future and not thinking of next year, but these guys are looking at, you know, 100 years forward, and that's pretty exciting. Jeff and Justine Ross made millions when they sold their vodka business 42 Below to Bacardi, and they're also involved in a host of other businesses. Isn't the fact that they've chosen to invest their money in rural communities a positive thing for those communities? They're providing jobs and they're growing the market. Oh, absolutely. You know, this is this is one of the most hilarious comments that I've seen is, yeah, well, not everyone can sell a vodka company for millions. Well, when did it become something that's really obscene to be succeed and make money? You know, from what I understand, they started in their garage brewing, you know, I don't know, I don't know how you make vodka, I just drink it, but you know, um, whatever you do, however you get it, distilling, that's the word, um, vodka in their, in their garage, they sacrifice lots of things, I can imagine, and you know this, with any business that's growing, there's scary moments, where you know, it's on the knife edge, and they would have gone through that, and it's, it was sort of like, not overnight, God, it was decades, I think, that they had before they sold it, and then how cool is it that they have gone, we are huge believers in the ag sector, we want to go back to our roots because this is where we come from. We want to try some new things. When we talk about them disrupting, you know, back to that comment, you know, they're not actually trying to disrupt the whole sector. They're actually trying to disrupt their business and see what they can do and what they can achieve and what others can learn from it. So I just think it's cool they're doing stuff for the community. Did we want that station in trees? Did we want that in pine trees as a carbon offset? Probably not. What a loss that would have been. So what they've done is really positive for rural communities. And, you know, God, I'd welcome many more people like them to come in and try it themselves as well. Do you think that this is points to a cultural tension between the urban and the rural communities and the fact that sometimes when those two worlds cross over, you are going to have this discomfort? Yeah, and I think it's a lack of understanding. And you're absolutely right. So the two worlds lapping over. But I think sometimes we forget that every farm is different anyway. So, you know, if you visit 10 farms in a week, you're not going to find two people that farm exactly the same way. They might have similar styles, but they'll do things quite differently. And I really think that the more we can connect urban people with their food, you know, people have never cared so much about how their food's made, but never known so little about how it's made. If we can connect farmers and growers of food and fibre with our urban communities that probably don't have connection anymore. Like there's probably a whole lot of people that don't have uncle's farm to go back to on the weekends or school holidays. So how do we actually just stop yelling at each other and start listening? And how do we actually start to critically analyze what is happening rather than expecting, and and no disrespect to you guys, that everything that comes through media, everything that comes through social media is an absolute given, you know? We call for democracy all the time, but democracy is not having a consensus where everyone agrees on everything. It's actually having the maturity and ability to critically analyze situations and connect different perspectives. And I think you know, there's going to be heaps of cool things that urban communities can help the agri-sector understand. And there'll be heaps of cool experiences that the agri-sector can provide to the urban communities. And I think it's not a us or them. It's actually got to be a we're all in this together because we should all be proud of the food that we grow in New Zealand. Julie, there's a well-reported mental health crisis in rural communities at the moment, and this is particularly hard on the farming community. Do you think that stories like this can maybe add pressure on them because it's a reminder that maybe they aren't doing things in the right way and that there's a new way to do things and they're already battling to make ends meet? Yeah, that's a really good way to think of it. I guess my mind instantly goes to 
this is awesome. These are people out of the city. I'm upset because I'm a farmer and people keep beating up on me. But these cool people are trying to actually inspire and lift the perception of what I do every day. So that's where my mind goes to. But I absolutely get what you've just said in the sense that if you were feeling terrible, you were feeling really beaten up, there is a chance that your mind would have gone to, I can never be like that. And everyone's going to hate me because I'm not like that. I guess my wee challenge for that is, do we drive everyone to be in the middle of the road or completely mediocre so that we make everyone feel better? Or do we actually strive and inspire? Because for me, these people are inspirational. Will all farms get to where they're, what they're doing? Probably not. Or And do they have a desire to? No. But that doesn't mean that there won't be a whole lot of farms out there that thought, this is so cool. I would love to follow their example. And a whole lot of cool people out there that probably have been mean to farmers going, actually, farmers are really cool. I need to provide some more support. The mental health thing, you know, if you read social media and whenever sort of articles come out and things like that, there's this real beat up on farmers at times, you know, their kids get bullied and all these things, which is just completely unacceptable. If we could shift that, that will help significantly, but we shouldn't stop celebrating awesome stories and success, innovation and doing things differently just to make everyone else feel better. There's something wrong with our country if that's what we have to do. Cheers for joining us today, Julia. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Front Page. You can read more about this and other stories in the New Zealand Herald, online at nzherald.co.nz, or tune in to news bulletins across the NZME network. With thanks to our producer and editor, Sean D. Wilson, and executive producer, Ethan Souls. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.